the motor vehicle uh, struck a gas pump and ignited on fire. Tonight on Global News Hour, a gas station in Comox burns to the ground and the quick thinking actions that saved a person and a dog from a burning car. Plus. So about a 2,000 hectare ignition that essentially took care of a large chunk of unburnt fuel. An update on the controlled burn at Stoddard Creek as crews trying to stop the spread of wildfires, hoping for help from Mother Nature and then. It would be very tempting to go tubing today or enjoy swimming in the water. The hazards and the warning to tubers to stay off Cowichan River. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A gas station on Vancouver Island is a blackened shell of its former self. A day after it suddenly went up in a ball of flames last night, Kamal Karamali has more on the cause of the fire and the daring rescue. A raging inferno rips through a gas station in the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island Saturday evening. The flames and thick black smoke consuming the ESO in a matter of minutes. About 40 firefighters responded quickly, but little could be done to save the gas station. Instead, crews working feverishly to prevent the propane tanks behind the building from being exposed to the flames. Thick, heavy black smoke, so it's it pretty scary to see that just in your neighborhood. Witnesses tell Global News a vehicle with an elderly driver rammed into one of the pumps. In this video, a vehicle can be seen at the center of the fire, both doors open. The driver got out alive, sent to hospital with minor injuries. Uh, luckily, there was somebody working at the SO and a bystander that were able to get the uh, person out of the vehicle that struck the pump. So that person uh, suffered uh, very minor injuries, if any at all. All 80 units of the neighboring apartment building were temporarily evacuated while Luthwaite was having dinner with his family. We heard a, uh, a crash with some tires squealing, followed by some more crashing and then a loud bang. They ran out to the balcony to see the daring rescue. I think it was actually kind of a heroic move. He dove in there quite fast. He had his fire extinguisher out. He drained the entire thing in a moment and he was able to pull the lady and her little dog out as well. Another person living in the building also sent to hospital for smoke inhalation. A restaurant attached to the gas station also severely damaged by the fire. Crews say the investigation pretty much wrapped up at this point, knowing what caused the fire. Now begins what is sure to be a very lengthy process to rebuild. Kamel Karamali, Global News. The Cowichan Valley School District has launched an investigation this weekend after a safer snorting kit was left behind at one of their schools. Officials issued a statement today saying they were recently made aware of materials that were left at one of our school sites from a third-party harm reduction and drug addiction presentation that we do not consider school or age appropriate. They added, we apologize to our community. The school district is not naming the school nor the third-party group. Coquitlam RCMP releasing more details today about a brazen targeted shooting last Wednesday night in hopes of garnering more tips from the public. The Mounties say a 37-year-old man was shot while sitting at an outside table in a busy shopping plaza near David Avenue and Coast Meridian Road. He was rushed to hospital in critical condition. Police now believe the suspect fled in a stolen gray 2022 Honda Civic Touring. The vehicle was later found torched near United Boulevard and Cape Horn Avenue. If you've seen the suspect vehicle before or if you have dash cam video of the area where it was found, contact Coquitlam RCMP.
A murder victim's family is welcoming a first-degree murder charge laid in the Kamloops case. The body of Maud Abdullah was found in March last year, launching what police described as a complex investigation. He was a former lecturer at Thompson Rivers University. Kamloops lawyer Bogelio Butch Begaboyo was initially accused of putting the dead man's body into a plastic bin. Then on May 12th, Crown Council approved a charge of first-degree murder. Abdullah's family say they were surprised by the accusation and say the two men had a business relationship. Butch Begaboyo is his um, trusted friend and lawyer since then because when he visited us in the Philippines, he always kept on telling that he has a friend in he has a friend there. He's, He's a Filipino, yeah, Filipino as well. Filipino as well. Excellent um, combined team effort of, of, of not only some uh, the local uh, sections here in, in the RCMP, but we also had outside support as, as well from some of our sections down in Lower Mainland as well. Abdullah's children hope their father is fondly remembered both in Kamloops and in the Philippines. Megabayo is scheduled for his next court appearance on June 5th. To the wildfire watch now, a new evacuation alert is in effect in the Caribou region. The Caribou Regional District issued an alert this morning for 25 properties and 87,000 hectares of land northwest of Williams Lake. It covers the Zenzecut Lake area. The fire was discovered yesterday afternoon and is burning out of control. The BC Wildfire Service suspects the blaze was caused by lightning as a storm swept through the area. Using a combination of aerial ignitions, hand ignitions, machine support, as well as structure protection, we're able to tie in the fire along the Highway 97 corridor. And the BC Wildfire Service says a planned burn yesterday between the Stoddard Creek Fire and Highway 97 was successful. The fire service set 2,000 hectares of unburnt forest ablaze. They say the fuels were highly susceptible, but the planned burn was reduced has reduced, rather, the likelihood that the Stoddard Creek Fire will spread west. The Stoddard Creek Fire is still burning out of control and covers more than 26,000 hectares. And there's a definite change in the forecast starting tomorrow that firefighters in the Peace region will be closely monitoring. Here's meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Yvonne, tell us more. Thank you so much, Julie. Yeah, we're shifting gears. We've had record-breaking heat over the past few days. We've had a reprieve from the heat today, but the rain that's moving in, it's a weather maker in Alberta, and it is working its way in. Now, the areas of concern, the rainfall warning for the northeastern corners, the Peace, Monday through Tuesday, we are looking at anywhere between 50 and up to 75 millimeters of rain. Areas near Tumbler Ridge will see up to closer 100 millimeters and now we're going to be shifting. We'll see the potential for flooding across those areas. Also a special weather statement for eastern regions. This also includes the central interior and the heavier rain is going to start to push in on Tuesday with anywhere between 20 and up to 40 millimeters of rain. Flood watch has now been issued for the northeastern corners. So the piece is included within that. The flood watch for the Shushwap, Slocan, Boundary and Thompson still remains in effect and the flood warning for the Skeena. Now the areas in the flood watch, especially for the northeastern corners and the peace, those areas may exceed Bankful. We've had a line of thunderstorms and lots of active weather for the southern interior. I'll have more on the watches and warnings that are in effect coming up very shortly. Julie? All right, thanks, Yvonne. 
In the flood watch now, Abbotsford is dealing with some minor flooding along the Fraser River. Water covers a portion of Matsqui Regional Park. The Matsqui Trail is closed and signs warn visitors to stay away from the riverbank. The entire Fraser River system is under a high stream flow advisory with the water reaching levels we'd expect to see every two to five years. And provincial modeling forecasts the river to rise slightly through the evening and into Monday before gradually lowering through the rest of the week. Municipal leaders from across Canada will meet later this week trying to make sense of dollars. The Federation of Canadian Municipalities Convention kicks off Thursday in Toronto. High on the agenda, money. Cities say they're facing massive challenges made even more urgent by the pandemic. And as Brett Balla reports, municipal leaders want Ottawa to pony up. Cities are the economic engines of Canada. The latest census shows almost three-quarters live in the country's largest cities. But municipal leaders say they're the poor partners of Canada. I think that we need to really recognize um, that we are not keeping up. We're not keeping uh, pace with change. BC municipalities own 31,000 kilometres of roads, 54,000 kilometres of pipes, transit, police, bridges, social services, just some of the everyday services cities are responsible to build and maintain. We have communities and neighbourhoods that have been waiting for schools for almost a decade. We have crumbling infrastructure in terms of our community centres. I work in countries and nations all over the world. Canada has one of the worst systems in terms of the positioning of cities. Delegates to the Federation of Canadian Municipalities Convention will debate an emergency resolution this week calling on Ottawa to get involved. The status quo isn't working. As Canada emerges from the pandemic, our municipalities are facing a perfect storm. Inflation, shifting demographics, aging infrastructure, climate crisis and housing challenges. Cities get cents on every dollar. I think the estimate is eight or nine cents of every tax dollar. That's all cities get. And then they're completely dependent on transfer payments. Ottawa doles out billions to build infrastructure, but municipalities say that covers just part of the construction and they're left to pay for operations and maintenance. And a growing population is just adding to the challenge. In Metro Vancouver alone right now, we're upgrading three wastewater treatment plants uh, in order to uh, address federal regulatory uh, frameworks. And that's why this conversation at FCM next week is critically important to advancing support for municipal governments across the country. Brett Balla, Global News. Vancouver police say one person was arrested in connection with a break and enter early this morning. Officers were called in to uh, one in progress, at a B&E rather, at about 3.30 a.m. at a business near Southwest Marine Drive and Knight Street. Police tried to pull over a vehicle, but the driver got away. The vehicle was later found in Richmond and a person was taken into custody. Word of preliminary work to remove the temporary Stanley Park bike lane prompted a small but vocal protest today. Despite the final decision by the ABC-dominated park board to dismantle most of the controversial lane, supporters are not letting up in showing their displeasure. A regular Sunday protest through Stanley Park is taking on new urgency. On Friday, preliminary work began to remove the temporary bike lanes. Overnight, some of the barriers were taken out. I will come with my friends and we'll take all the lanes to keep us safe. We will take all the lanes. 
I'm very adamant about, about that, yeah. During the pandemic, temporary bike lanes were installed. It's become a contentious issue. Some argued it caused traffic backups and hurt business. Supporters say it improves safety. People need it for safety, for enjoyment. It's the direction that cities and parks are going all over the world. And somehow Vancouver is now moving in the opposite direction and ripping out bike lanes. I'm a confident rider. And even with my kids, I ride every day on bikeways that are shared with cars. But Stanley Park Drive pre-bike lane never felt safe to ride with my children. We need a car-free Stanley Park and we need shuttle bus and other forms of public transportation like other cities in the world. In February, Park Board Commissioners voted to open traffic back up to two lanes with some bike lanes remaining in areas of safety concern such as Brockton Point. Lumberman's Arch. People along the seawall this May long weekend were mixed about the lanes. As a cyclist, we ride through town all the time. You don't need to have a bike lane like this to disrupting traffic, you know, for all the residents in Vancouver, for, you know, the amount of cyclists that come through here. Personally, we usually take the seawall side because we like to watch in the, the city skyline and all that. So, but it's an it's a alternative route. It's, I think it's fair to have it. I, I'm not opposed to it. Staff is consulting with park business owners, accessibility groups, cyclists, and park users on a dedicated bike lane. That report is due by November. Grace Key, Global News. The Vancouver lifeguard season is already understaffed. The Vancouver Park Board warning swimmers today, if you plan on swimming at Sunset Beach, Second Beach, and Spanish Banks, do so at your own risk says the park board. No lifeguards are on duty at those locations. And if you plan on going to New Brighton and Second Beach pools, there will be limited drop-in spots due to a lifeguard shortage. The, the pools are directly impacted by the lifeguards. We have a ratio of lifeguards to swimmers that we have to maintain for compliance and safety. This past year, we've done uh, a ton of work to try to figure out how to get more lifeguards to be part of our team. We have both the indoor team and the outdoor team. We've hired over 130 new lifeguards um, over the past year. We're still not back to pre-COVID numbers. Coming up on Global News Hour, danger on the water, warnings about some of the favorite spots to cool down on Vancouver Island. And the latest on the condition of Highway 97 near Summerland after debris came crashing down a few days ago. Is it safe to travel through there? More on that when we come back. Police in Surrey are searching for a missing 12-year-old girl. Akila Gang was last seen early Monday morning in the 9100 block of 136 8th Avenue in Surrey. No one has seen or heard from her since, and her family says it's unusual for her to not be in contact. She's 5 foot 1 and 111 pounds with dark brown braided hair. She was last seen wearing a red sweater, shirt and shorts, as well as white and blue shoes. If you have any information on her whereabouts, call Surrey RCMP. Lake Cowichan officials are warning tubers to stay off the fast-flowing Cowichan River. The high stream flow and strong currents posing a danger for those on the water. And as Krista Dow reports, it comes after two calls already this month. On this warm May-long weekend in the Cowichan Valley, the water is no doubt inviting for many. Our plan is to bring a family of friends here because they've never been to Cowichan. But beyond the allure of the Cowichan River, officials are warning about the dangers of the fast currents. The fire department cautioned water levels are still high and flowing fast. 
It can push people into downed trees, popping tubes, or pulling people under. Earlier this month, RCMP in Lake Cowichan responded to two calls for rescues on the river. Oh, yeah. On May 2nd, police were called to a tuber in the river without a life jacket calling for help. Then on May 14th, five adults and a child had to be rescued after their vessel capsized. Everyone was found safe, but RCMP say they're clear examples the river is not safe for tubing or swimming at this time of year. It would be very tempting to go tubing today or enjoy swimming in the water, but it is quite dangerous still. The town of Lake Cowichan echoing these sentiments, saying the activities must be enjoyed with a good deal of caution given the current heat conditions and fast-flowing waterways. Warnings many here were heating. We have two small children and we also don't, don't want to risk anything even uh, so. Uh, but I think it's still worth it just stay around here. A classic case of better safe than sorry as the unofficial kickoff to summer is underway. Krista Dow, Global News. Work is well underway to remove rocks and debris off of Highway 97 after a landslide near Summerland on Monday. As Jaden Wozni reports, drivers can expect lengthy delays until further notice, but new infrastructure to prevent future road closures from happening is on the way. It's been almost a week since debris came crashing down onto Highway 97 near Summerland, closing the road in both directions, and it's still reduced to single lane alternating traffic. The Ministry of Transportation confirming to Global News Sunday that drivers can expect single lane alternating traffic to continue until further notice. An initial geotechnical assessment revealed there is still a significant amount of unstable material remaining on the slope above the highway, but engineers have determined the road is safe. I go by here every day and everyone is doing their best. The, the traffic is patient, the traffic control, I mean, you're going to maybe uh, send your viewers a shot of the mess that this is, and it's a big one. In a statement, the Ministry of Transportation says geotechnical assessments have recommended construction of a lock block retaining wall to increase the debris catchment area and increase safety prior to reopening all lanes. The wall is currently being designed and construction is anticipated to begin on Tuesday. The ministry did not say how the construction of that wall could further impact traffic or when it will be completed. Jaden Wozni, Global News. Coming up on Global News Hour, the latest on the wildfires in Alberta, and with that comes a dubious distinction for the province. And then awaiting the report into the possibility of foreign interference in Canadian politics and what the opposition has to say when we come back. To the wildfire fight in northern Alberta now, while the smoke has been tough on many people's lungs, it has been an asset to firefighters. Alberta Wildfire says the smoke in the air helps by creating cooler conditions for fire crews. There have only been five new fires from Friday to today. There are currently 84 wildfires in Alberta and 23 of those are out of control. Thousands of firefighters from across North America are helping to battle them, but those firefighters have been here now for two weeks and are set to go home soon and then more reinforcements will come in.
anticipated rainfall is is certainly not uh, going to end all of the activity that's going on in the province and we need to plan ahead. Uh, very happy to be seeing 100 more from the Canadian Armed Forces joining us tomorrow. They're going to be going out to the Slave Lake area, uh, to the Salto complex, to the fires out there. Uh, we do have requests as well through our, uh, our colleagues in the Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Centre. Uh, we have uh, quite a number of additional firefighters that we have on our list and they are working on it now and bringing them in. Uh, we're anticipating 80 more from the states arriving on Wednesday and more to come in the days, uh, days to come. Tucker says they're optimistic the forecasted rain this weekend will help, but they will continue to closely monitor the situation. Meantime, Alberta currently has the worst air quality in the world, according to the World Air Quality Index. That's a nonprofit project that collects information from air monitoring stations around the globe. This morning, the greater Edmonton area hit the number one spot with 456 on the index, which is well beyond the very unhealthy threshold and heading into the hazardous range. The poor air quality is forcing many Albertans to stay indoors this long weekend. Former Governor General David Johnston is due to deliver his report Tuesday that will recommend what steps, if any, the Trudeau government should take regarding foreign interference in Canadian politics. As David Aiken reports, the opposition is united in what it wants Johnston to recommend. The Conservatives just want to see one thing in the Johnston report Tuesday. We want to see him call for a full public independent inquiry. I think that's what Canadians want. I think that's what we need to have to, to get the answers. The Bloc Québécois wants the same thing. And so too do the New Democrats. We're looking for a public inquiry. I mean, the leader has been very clear and as the first person to ask for it, people across this country need to know that our electoral system is working. We want to make sure that foreign interference is being dealt with in a meaningful way. Liberals, on the other hand, have been more ambivalent about the need for a public inquiry. I am looking for him to lay out a whole process uh, as to how to deal with this in a way that can clarify the situation, respect national security uh, concerns and, and, and you know, all the obligations that we have to the people who are collecting this information for our different agencies as well as for our allies. David Johnston was appointed Governor General under Stephen Harper's Conservative government. Even with that, and with Johnston's background as a constitutional law expert, the Conservatives believe Johnston is in a hopelessly compromised position. He is Justin Trudeau's ski buddy, his cottage neighbour, his family friend, and a member of the Trudeau Foundation, which got $140,000 from Beijing. He has a fake job, and he's unable to do it impartially. But whatever Johnson recommends in Tuesday's report, Trudeau was already on the record saying he will follow the recommendation. So if Johnson does recommend a public inquiry, Trudeau is going to make it happen. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. Still to come on the News Hour, all dressed up, they're distinguished and raising money for charity on two wheels. Stay with us. Hundreds of very well-dressed men descended on Vancouver streets today to take part in the annual Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. motorcycle ride is part of a global event that brings people together to raise funds and awareness in the fight against prostate cancer. 
Funds raised will go toward Movember, and the leading, that is the leading men's health charity, of course. Now, riders in Vancouver have already raised $50,000 for this year's event. This ride's pretty close to myself. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor myself. I had a bone marrow transplant in uh, about 16 years ago for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and I'm also riding for my stepdad who uh, is currently dealing with prostate cancer. Uh, prostate cancer, you know, one in four males are going to be diagnosed at one point in their life. Um, it takes way too many men, uh, way too young. People in 29 cities across Canada are taking part in the annual charity ride. Yvonne is back and not a bad day to be out for a ride. <laughs> Especially if they're wearing suits. Yeah. Right? I'm sure they yes. were appreciating it, it being a touch cooler. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Yeah, what a difference a day makes. Uh, temperatures cooler today. We've had some cloud cover. We're still seeing a slight chance of the potential for some showers. That'll be overnight and taking us in towards our Monday to round off the long weekend. We're currently sitting at 17 degrees. Highs today just getting up to 19. What a difference in comparison to the record heat that we've been tracking over the past week. Here's a quick snapshot of what we're anticipating tomorrow through the morning hours. Slight chance for some showers, more breaks, a clearing as we get in through the afternoon and highs anywhere between 16 and up to 17. 17 is where we sit for this time of the year. Now for the interior, this is the big weather story on Tuesday, 20 and up to 40 millimeters. Once again, that'll extend into eastern regions of the interior regions. And we've been tracking this line of thunderstorms with severe thunderstorms, could see very gusty winds, heavy downpours. And we're also looking at the potential for hail right now. It's in towards the boundary as well as the Kootenai region that we're seeing the severe thunderstorm warning and the watches for all areas that are in orange and that's tracking its way towards the east. It will start to fizzle as we get in towards this evening and for the northeastern corners the peace once again Monday and Tuesday a significant amount of rain 15 up to 75 millimeters but it's areas near Tumble Ridge that we can see closer to 100 millimeters. We'll be watching that very closely and then 20 and up to 40 towards the uh, just towards the south of it. Now the flood watch includes the peace region as well as the Sushi Shushwap, Slocan River Boundary and Thompson, those areas may exceed Bankful and we still are keeping a close eye on the flood warning for the Skeena region. Now there's that weather maker that'll work its way in from the interior. We'll be tracking it for the northeastern corners Monday, continuing in towards our Tuesday. And for the central regions, there's the potential in towards our Tuesday with a significant amount of rain, 20 and up to 40 millimeters. Now for our long weekend, as we do round it off, the northeastern corners of the province, we're also still tracking the potential for some smoke if you do have any respiratory issues but that should start to ease off with the rain that's moving in across the region heavier rainfall for the central interior most areas towards the south will still track a bit of instability even that risk of a thunderstorm and then along the south coast different tomorrow mainly cloudy few showers in the morning should start to ease off as we get in through the afternoon more of a clearing on the way we're likely still tracking a blip in the forecast that'll be Tuesday with a few showers cooler 15 a clearing on Wednesday and then rebounding Thursday Friday Julie away from the water or back up to 25. Back to you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Canadian comedian Russell Peters has become the latest celebrity to join the bid to purchase the Ottawa Senators. Peters announcing on Instagram Saturday that he's, quote, pumped to be part of the Nico Sparks group in their historic bid for the Senators, the first ever black, indigenous, South Asian visible minority group to bid on an NHL team in history. The team also includes rapper Snoop Dogg and most recently Canadian Olympian Donovan Bailey. 
Canadian singer The Weeknd is also reportedly looking to purchase the team in a separate bid, but Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds has pulled out. The board of directors for the Sens initiated the process to sell the team last November after the death of owner Eugene Melnick earlier this year. That year, rather. Final bids were submitted on Monday. Any opinions on that, Barry? Well, I can take Ryan Reynolds' place if, uh, <laughs> if they're looking for something. <laughs> oh, you're rolling in dough, are you? Uh, well, no, I just thought for the, you know, the looks. Oh, the oh right. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, no, yeah. I, can, you, I see what you meant there. Though. Yeah, no. <laughs> so what you got coming up? Well, um, unfortunately, it wasn't a very good day for our Canadians at the... Uh, PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka won. I'm not sure even if Corey Connors had a good day, he would have caught Kepka. He was that good. But the real story was uh, PGA Pro, teaching pro Michael Block. At this tournament, 20 club pros who give lessons at, uh, you know, at courses around uh, the United States get to play in this tournament. And usually if they make the cut, like that's a big deal. But this guy was not necessarily in contention to win, but he was top 15, and he made some amazing shots, including one today. You won't believe it. It was heartwarming, and it kind of even overshadowed the win, I have to say. He was really the story. It was just kind of and one of those. And mid-40s. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like 40, almost 47, and uh, just a great guy. And he just he's very emotional. People got to kind of share it with him, so it was very cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Barry. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, getting it under control. The unintended bumper crop, thanks to the warm weather this spring and what's being done to control mosquitoes. More in the way after the break. Warmer weather this spring is leading to an unwanted bumper crop. Mosquito larvae are developing especially fast this year. So aerial spraying has already begun in the Kamloops area. Sydney Chisholm of CFJC News has more. To treat large areas of mosquito larvae, BWP Consulting uses a helicopter to scatter granules of corn coated with BTI, a bacteria that kills mosquito larvae. It's natural. It's a natural occurring bacteria, so we're not generating it. So it is, and it only targets mosquito larvae. So it, there is no negative impacts to other creatures that eat it. It only impacts the mosquito larvae. This year, the Mosquito Control Company is starting their helicopter campaign early because of an earlier rise in floodwaters. It's important because when the floodwaters come up, all the mosquito eggs that are laid in the grass over the years, they get wetted and then they hatch. So we have a lot of eggs that have hatched all at once into larvae. And so now we're treating them with a helicopter to create to treat a large area so that we can catch all these guys before they hatch into actual live mosquitoes. Mosquito eggs laid in the grass can survive up to 30 years, just waiting for the water levels to rise and wet them. But because this year's water levels are expected to remain normal to lower, Chelsea Fisher believes fewer bloodsuckers will be biting. So if this is a successful campaign, we should see fewer mosquitoes than we would in previous years. According to Fisher, these floodwater mosquitoes currently being treated are known as nuisance species. They're primarily responsible for biting humans. And as the waters recede and we're left with standing water, we do end up getting species that lay their eggs on the water. And those are the species that can go towards birds and our other mammals. These species are known to carry West Nile disease and can be harmful to wildlife. Fisher encourages property owners with standing water to contact the Mosquito Advisory Line. BWP Consulting will be treating about 450 areas in the TNRD. For those still concerned about being bitten, Fisher suggests wearing long clothing and using a bug repellent containing DEET. Sydney Chisholm, CFJC News.
Coming up in sports, inspiration from the PGA Championship and Canadian golfer Corey Connors endures a disappointing weekend, creating other significant moves on the leaderboard. There's much more when we come back. Head to the Pacific Coliseum for the Jurassic World live tour. Don't miss this action-packed live arena show featuring some of Jurassic World's most iconic dinosaurs, including Blue the Raptor, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, and the Mighty T-Rex. This May head to Thunderbird Show Park. The family can enjoy world-class show jumping, an array of restaurants, bars, and boutique shops, face painting, and pony rides at each of the main spectator events. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub. Bringing your worlds together. Ah, oh, Barry, you're back. Mm -hmm. What you got? Well, we're going to start with a little golf. We got uh, football and soccer coming up, but uh, golf major first. Thanks, Julie. Uh, apparently winning uh, one of these golf majors is a little tougher than it appears. Canadian Corey Connors uh, has been fantastic all week at the PGA Championship in Rochester. He began the day just a shot behind leader Brooks Kepka as Connors tried to become just the second Canadian male to win a major, joining Mike Weir. But with the Sunday pressure on, it all fell apart for Connors, who never got any traction and finished well up the track on the leaderboard. Wanamaker Trophy goes to the champ as well as a uh, check for 3.15 million U.S. Start off showing you how the B.C. boys did. Surrey's Adam Svensson flirted with the top 10 a lot this week thanks to shots like this one, the long birdie at four, but Svensson ended up tied for 40th at plus six. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin had the best round of any of the Canadians today. Four of them made the cut. He was an even par 70, including this short birdie at eight. Hadwin also finished tied 40th at six over. Corey Connors had shown so much poise this week, especially yesterday in the final group, but today it unraveled, just never got it going. He made seven bogeys on the day, fell from second place to a tie for 12th, but hopefully Corey will be back wiser for the experience. Brooks Kepka, meanwhile, steely nerves. He's just made for the majors. Always plays well in these tournaments, and he was in major Brooks mode early. 12th hole rolls in the birdie from the fringe, got to eight under and a two-shot lead. But then the legend of Michael Block took over the show, the club pro who has stolen the hearts of golf fans. How about this on the 15th? It's a slam dunk hole-in-one. An ace. He said he'd never had a hole-in-one in a tournament in his life. Good time to save it for this one. Amazing stuff. You still can't believe it went in. And that is a one on the scorecard. And just an unbelievable week that just keeps getting better and better. More from him later. But anytime someone got close to Kepka, he put the pedal down. Short par 4, 14th. Not many guys did this all week, but Kepka drills a 300-yard drive onto the green. He made a two-putt birdie, and he maintained his one-shot lead on Victor Hovland. Hovland, meanwhile, on the 16th, does exactly what Corey Connors did. From the bunker, drives it into the face of the bunker and made a double bogey, and he never recovered. He finished tied for second. Kepka, meanwhile, put the hammer down on that very same hole while Hovland was struggling. Kepka just put it out of reach with this brilliant approach to pretty much seal the deal. His lead was up to three with just two to play. But back to Michael Block. He needed this putt at the 18th to ensure a top 15 finish, which would get him into next year's. 
PGA Championship without having to requalify, and he does it. What else would you expect? Just an absolute fairy tale for him. And you have to say he kind of stole the show a bit from Kepka. Just a great guy and such an underdog story. Everyone loves to see that. Kepka, meanwhile, won by two over Hovland and Scotty Scheffler. Third PGA Championship win for Kepka, fifth major overall. But let's hear more from Michael Block, who had just a magical week, and he let us all in to share it with him. I'm living a dream. I'm making sure that I enjoy this moment. I've learned that after the, my 46 years of life, that uh, it's not going to get better than this. There's no way. No chance in hell. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this, and thank you. We have loved watching you soak in every moment, and the cherry on top was what Jim Nance called an all-time up and down. This par save right here. It made my day, and Roy was awesome, man. Everyone was awesome, and uh, I can't thank everybody enough for being so cool to me. And cheers to the 29,000 uh, PGA Tour professionals, PGA professionals in the world. Uh, yeah, it's for you guys. We cannot wait to see you next year. No qualifying necessary. That par save locked you into a top 15 finish, which means we'll see you at Valhalla. <sighs> Music to my ears, my friend. Music to my ears. Thank you. And that's why we love sports. Stanley Cup playoffs. Game two, Stars and Golden Knights from Vegas. Second period tied at one. Stars on the power play. Jason Robertson will convert the rebound pass to Aiden Hill. 2-1 Dallas after two. And it looked like the Stars would take that lead home. But Jack Eichel with a slick centering pass for Jonathan Marcheseau, who was in such a bad slump at the start of the playoffs. That's his sixth goal in his last six playoff games. We need overtime in just 72 seconds in. Aldergrove Shea, Theodore with the shot. Chandler Stevenson fires in the game-winning rebound. Vegas goes up 2-0 in the series. All four conference final games so far have gone to overtime. Florida and Carolina play game three tomorrow. Well, the Lions made a surprising move today, cutting veteran pass rusher Sean Lemon, who we just featured a couple of days ago after signing the 34-year-old to a free agent deal in the winter. Lemon had 14 sacks last season with the Stampeders, but got released today along with Canadian veteran linebacker Jordan Herdman-Reed. But the Lions did sign defensive lineman Jonathan Kongbo. Maybe uh, that's why uh, Lemon got released. Kongbo played two games with the Denver Broncos in the NFL last year before he won a Grey Cup with Winnipeg in 2021. If you've been a BC Lions fan for the past few decades, you may have noticed the Lions have a bit of a soft spot for veteran kickers. Louis Pasaglia and Paul McCallum were brilliantly consistent, and so now is Sean White, who, like his predecessors, just seems to get better with age. Two things that are always consistent with the BC Lions. They like the color orange, and they like old kickers. And both of those have proven successful. Sean White is 37 years old. He's going into his 15th year in the CFL, and that means he gets to hear a lot of math from his teammates. You're what? You're 15. 15 years ago, I was 13. That's like 6, 7 grades. Okay, shut up. <laughs> That's 6, 7 grades. So, I don't feel old. Everyone reminds me that I am. It's like a golfer. I feel like you get better with age. The game is slowing down for me. The nerves are still there or else I wouldn't play, but uh, they're not. I know how to handle them better. White's stats from last year back up that statement because he made 92% of his field goal attempts, which was his best in that category since 2017. And that's why, like Louis Pasaglia and Paul McCallum before, 
Lions kickers who played into their 40s, White can stay relevant in a young man's game. My, my technique and my game is I'm an accuracy guy. I'm not a big ball hitter, you know, uh, but I, I am accurate. My technique is usually pretty sound. Being 37, White has experienced all the highs and lows of his job. Kickers don't get physically beaten up, but mentally it can be tough, especially if you miss at a crucial point. I missed one in Toronto last year, hit the upright to tie it at the end. That was, I felt sick, and it wasn't because for me, I'm sick for them. And because we were down in that game, and they brought it all back, and we had an opportunity to win that game, and I screwed it all up. So I, it was tough for me to look them in the eye, but every single guy on this team came up to me to have my back. and. You know, that's just one miss all year, so who cares? Let's just move on from it. It's the kind of perspective you need to be a professional kicker and one that comes with experience. The Whitecaps played one of their best matches of the season last night at BC Place, a dominant 2-0 win over Seattle to knock the Sounders out of first place in the Western Conference. The Whitecaps feel they can play with anyone when they bring their A game, but they haven't brought that A game a lot this season, and they'll need to find that much more often if they want to get back into the MLS playoffs in 2023. Ahmed, VT is there. Heavy first touch. Can he get it? Why can this team play the well at home and then have trouble on the road? Yeah, uh, you know, it's not a question that you ask also, but also that I ask myself too. And uh, uh, there's a bunch of uh, things that uh, I think we need to really work uh, mentally on what we do uh, here, what the players do here in order to prepare the game. And what the players, uh, we, what we do because we are in a different environment when we go away. We are on track home, seven games, 14 points, so two points per game. And uh, we are not on track away because three points in six games. And uh, we need to do one point per game because in this way if we would finish at 51 and it's playoff for sure. It's like even playoff, like fifth, fourth place. Ortiz, back for call, gets a shot away, the Shando behind the keeper. Ryan Gold, it's 2-0 Vancouver. Yeah, I think it's come at a good time. Um, you know, it's after, after two bad results and not great performances, it's come at a good time. So um, we can take a lot of positives from performance, um, both defensively and attacking-wise. And... Um, yeah, the boys will be confident moving forward. And we'll finish with some baseball. Blue Jays and Orioles from Toronto went to extra innings. Orioles got a run in the top of the 10th, but the Jays answer in the bottom. Whit Merrifield with the clutch hit plates the tying run. So we keep on playing to the 11th, but Baltimore did break it open in the 11th with five runs, two on this single from Taryn Vavra as the Orioles win it by the final of 8-3. They sweep the Jays in Toronto for the first time since 2005. Jays' bats have kind of gone quiet. They've lost six of their last seven. That's it for sports. Okay, thanks, Barry. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, on the move and giving back to the community one haircut at a time. Stay with us. 
This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Sometimes following an entrepreneurial dream fosters the spirit of generosity. As a teen, Justin Karboviak of Coquitlam discovered he had a to be a barber. After taking his skills and talents directly to his clients, he's able to give back to his community. Here's Jay Durant with This is BC. Always on the move, the man behind Barber Dash has taken his services on the road around Metro Vancouver. Any haircut, anywhere, anytime. How can I make it as convenient as possible for the client? And that was basically like, well, if you don't even have to leave your house, they can't get much more convenient than that, right? This all started at Heritage Woods Secondary in Port Moody when Justin Karboviak would offer free cuts to his classmates at lunchtime just to practice. I was pretty busy. <laughs> Obviously, like 17 years old, most people don't have too much money for haircuts and me wanting to learn, uh, I had no shortage of like potential clients. So I would just basically make a post on my Snapchat or anybody in my class and ask them if they wanted a haircut during lunch. First honing his craft in a barber shop, he has since branched out on his own. And as his clientele list continues to grow, the 23-year-old is now giving back to the community where he grew up. Matching donations through his recent campaign, Karboviak presented a $5,000 check to Kidsport BC, which provides grants to children from families facing financial barriers. I grew up playing a lot of sports when I was younger. I know how much that really shaped me as a person. Like It helped me push through obstacles, learn teamwork, uh, overcoming challenges, not really giving up when times get tough. And I really wanted to give back to something that resonated with me, and that was a perfect cause for that. A little creative marketing has allowed him to expand his business, which means he'll be looking for new ways to support local charities after finding his dream career. I'm on a trajectory right now that's, like I said, very fulfilling. Pursuing something that actually brings you fulfillment and contentment, I think is the most important thing that you can do. Jay Durant, Global News. Now, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. All right, one last look at the weather. Yeah, for tomorrow as we round off our long weekend, a bit of a blip, a bit more cloud cover. A chance for some showers will be in the morning. Should start to ease off some breaks in the afternoon. Bit of a breeze, though, if you're by the water. Gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Back to work and school for many will be on Tuesday. It'll be cooler, 15 as the high. We haven't seen that in a while. And then a clearing, it starts to rebound Wednesday onwards and even Thursday, Friday. We'll see those temperatures away from the water back up to 25. So a bit of a change, a bit of a reprieve as well from the heat. But we have to find our umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> Remember where they are. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night. Good night.